We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Monday, February the 13th, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet on today's show Opening day is officially upon us, and with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we are breaking down the Gamecocks 2023 baseball season as things get underway on Friday at Founders Park. Guys, I will break down everything in its entirety when it comes to Yardcocks, including key losses, new additions, top storylines, my projected weekend rotation, the projected starting nine. Also, I'll give my projected lineup, the biggest question surrounding this team. Season will be successful if, and I'll lock in my predictions for the 2023 Yardcocks as well. Also, guys, we go from the diamond to the hardwood as South Carolina men's basketball is winners yet again as the Court Cox take down the Ole Miss Rebels in Oxford over the weekend. Guys, I will give you all my biggest takeaways. We'll also hand out our game MVP and talk what's next for Lamont Paris's squad as well. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. When you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to six players, and you can win it to 10 times. On any entry, Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, partly with the under on Mahomes. You can play college sports, pro sports, anything and everything you can think of. They've got it with our friends at Price Picks. They've also got a slick, easy-to-use mobile app both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, so many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Go download the Prize Picks app, or go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the Gamecocks. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the old ball game. Let's go, Yardcocks. Play ball. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, we have finally made it happy monday of opening day week hope you are all doing well here on this fantastic monday my name is chris phillips and i am your host of the spurs up show as always again guys appreciate you all tuning in i hope you all had a fantastic weekend hope you all enjoyed your super bowl sunday and now that football both college professional is in the rear view folks it is officially baseball season again i am fired up excited to chat with you all here on this monday again guys thank you all so much for your continued love and support and i hope this show does find you well no matter where you are what you are doing i'm truly grateful for each and every single one of you who is sharing this fantastic monday with us. So without further ado, let's get into it, guys. A couple of quick housekeeping items, a couple of quick updates. If you will, as many of you know, of course, the podcast schedule, I'm very happy to say is normal this week. Of course, you're hearing the sound of my voice today. We have our podcast on Thursday as well, which will be the first series preview show of the 2023 baseball season. But some changes to the Daily Crow this week. Again, if you were paying attention last week, you already know that yours truly is out of town. We are on the ski slopes this week, so there will be no Daily Crow today, tomorrow, or Wednesday. We will be back in studio on Thursday, getting after it, getting you ready for opening day, taking your questions, your comments, your calls, noon to two, as we always do. But no TDC today, tomorrow, or Wednesday, back in studio after it on Thursday. And, of course, on Friday, we'll be live on game day on opening day as well. So if you have any questions, any comments, anything you need clarified, please reach out to me and you can ask away. But no TDC today, tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll get back after it on Thursday. Also, guys, I'm very happy to officially announce on the airwaves that the 2023 TSUS Spring Tour is officially set with our friends over at Carolina Alehouse. Guys, all of the dates are listed on our graphic that we posted on social media. But just to run down through these really quickly so you know, the 2023 Spring Tour will begin March 23rd. In Columbia, and it goes like this. March 23rd, we're in Columbia. All these dates, by the way, are on a Thursday, just so you know. March 23rd, we are in Columbia. March 30th, we're downtown Greenville. April 6th, Woodruff Road. April 13th, Somerville. April 20th, Fort Mill. And then finally, we wrap up April the 27th in Myrtle Beach. So again, guys, really excited to get this thing rolling. Of course, in case you do not know, last year, last summer, 
Uh, we did this tour, basically just went to all the locations, stop, talk, Gamecocks. I'll bring the microphone, the speaker, what have you. Uh, and we basically just talk about everything that's going on with business, with the Gamecocks. Of course, this year in the spring tour, we'll be talking baseball. We'll be counting down the days, the spring game. We'll be talking the spring game after the fact. In our last two stops, we'll have merchandise on hand as well. We'll have giveaways. We'll have special guests. Going to be a really, really good time. And I love to use it as an opportunity to get out and about and across the state and meet the great people who support TSUS and show love and make what we do possible. So again, really, really excited. Appreciative, by the way, of our friends over at Carolina Alehouse for partnering up with us and allowing us to do this. So everything will get going March the 23rd and run through April the 27th. All of those dates are listed in our graphic on social media, which is pinned to the top of our social media channels. Also, guys, you can expect those will start, I would say, around 6 o'clock, and a couple of them are on game days for South Carolina baseball. So we'll have some watch parties mixed in there as well. We'll be watching games, talking Gamecocks. Going to be one hell of a time more details as those official dates, or excuse me, as those dates creep closer, I'll have details to set out to announce uh, in regards to times, in regards to giveaways, in regards to special things we'll be doing at each individual location. Guys, finally, I uh, just want to tease this a bit. I've talked about this here and there, but uh, live stream watch-alongs. We did that during the 2021 baseball season. Uh, 2022, we did not do any sort of thing like that. Live stream watch-alongs, May be returning soon. I think they actually will because this is something I'm probably planning on doing for the football season. Um, and I think we might do some trial runs or do some test runs or what have you during the baseball season. So just stay tuned for more details. You might recall it's as simple as we all just sit together and we watch the games and you get to watch yours truly. Uh, you get to watch me lose my mind watching the York Cogs, watching the Gamecocks, if you will. But again, just stay tuned for all the details. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, really, really excited for all of the content that we will have this 2023 season content bleeding out the eyeballs as always. With that being said, folks, Let's go ahead and dive into it as we break down, preview, dissect, predict, what have you, the 2023 Yardcocks season as the Gamecocks embark on a pivotal season at that. And when you first look back at last year and what makes this 2023 season so important, it is the shortcomings of of a year ago, South Carolina went 27 and 28, 13 and 17 in conference, and most notably, it was a historic season, but not for positive reasons. South Carolina going below 500 since before the turn of the millennium. It had been a long time since the Gamecocks had been that bad, so they will look for a big time bounce back in this season. Guys, we look at key losses. And this is a team that on the hitting side of things, you know, you definitely lost some big-time contributors. You did not lose a lot in pitching. You go down this list here, Brant Belk, Andrew Eister, Josiah Seitler, Colin Burgess, Matt Hogan are your most notable hitters 
that you lost. Of course, Belk and Eister, those are the big names at the top. Also, Seitler last year, what he did with the long ball, hitting 15 home runs. Colin Burgess, like I mentioned, was your everyday catcher. And also, Matt Hogan played about 40 games for you last year in the outfield. But Belk and Eister, like I said, guys, those are the big bashers that you lost. And certainly, you brought in some guys, and, and there are some pieces that need to replace the leadership in the clubhouse, but also the numbers those guys provided. On the pitching side of things, again, guys, you lose John Gilreed, C.J. Wines, Michael Esposito, and Parker Coyne. Most of your big-time arms and big-time pitchers who had the options to depart or come back, most of those guys came back, right? We've heard of James Hicks turned down six figures. Uh, Some other guys as well turning down certain money could have hit the portal also. So uh, most of your production returned in regards to pitching. Basically, all your pitching is back. And even with your hitting, you feel like some of the departures, if you will, all due respect, some of those are addition by subtraction. And of course, guys, this team is built off new additions and the new players as Mark Kingston and company, you know, give Mark Kingston credit. He did not just sit around. He did not just sit on his hands and hope things would get better as we move into the new additions and the new faces on this Yardcocks baseball team. 20 new players. On this ball club, eight from the high school ranks, two from junior college, and 10 from the transfer portal. More on that later in regards to the strategy that Mark Kingston and company took. When you look at the additions, especially the transfer portal guys, and and these are not dudes, these are not just guys that are just going to sit around and and provide you depth and and they're just nice nice pieces. These are guys that are going to play. They're going to be everyday type of guys. You look at Caleb Denny from Oral Roberts, Dylan Brewer from Clem Sucks, Gavin Cassis from Vanderbilt, Will McGillis from Southern Miss, Jacob Compton from Memphis, Nick Proctor from Cal, Ricky Williams from Clem Sucks, Dylan Askew from Juco, and also you've got a pair of highly touted freshmen in Ethan Petrie and Will Tippett. So again, guys, a lot of new faces. You know, I've said this a lot that folks that maybe are not subscribed to D1Baseball.com. Maybe they don't follow our content closely. You haven't been following the the position preview series or what have you. A lot of folks are going to tune into Gamecocks Baseball on opening day for the first time since last year. And you're going to be blown away because this is going to be a completely new look lineup from what you saw a season ago. Guys, with that being said, let's move into our top storylines for the 2023 season. And what you might notice is this. You know, we've already began to talk baseball and look ahead to this season. And as I've told many of you, you know, while it is the elephant in the room and we're going to bring it up right now because the top storyline and the thing you can't get around is Mark Kingston's job status as he enters year six, season five of his South Carolina tenure as head coach. But you'll notice it hasn't been something where I've been talking about it on a daily basis in regards to, we all recall what the Will Muschamp era was like in Columbia, South Carolina. And like that was the overriding storyline of that 2020 season, right? Like that was the only thing that it felt like we realistically could talk about. And maybe selfishly, maybe selfishly, I have not led with that in regards to South Carolina baseball and Mark Kingston nearly as much. But in all reality, it it is the top storyline of this season because it is the thing based off of the results of this season, 
right? Something is going to happen. This is not going to be a year, in my opinion, where there is gray area. Either South Carolina is going to win enough and the Gamecocks are going to advance far enough to where Mark Kingston solidifies himself as, you know what, he just needed this piece and this piece and that addition and that coach. And he reassures us that, you know what, this guy is the right option. He is the answer for the long haul. Either that's going to happen or all of the concerns, all of the doubts, everything we thought last year about this guy is just going to be reconfirmed and the Gamecocks will be looking for a new head baseball coach at season's end. It is the number one storyline of this season, no doubt. It is absolutely the thing that we've all got our eye on. And I don't think that's even a hot take, guys. I, I don't think there's anyone at this point who loves South Carolina baseball, who follows it as closely as we do. I think even people that follow it casually. I, I don't think there's anyone saying that Mark Kingston is on the hot seat entering this season. It, it, it is the coldest take. It, it is the It is the most not hot take of all time. It is the most rational take, I should say. Of all time, because when you think of expectations for this program and you think of South Carolina baseball and what this program means to so many people, Mark Kingston's job status, you know, the the debate of what he needs to do to return as head coach, again, to reassure that he's the correct answer, he's the right answer. And what must Mark Kingston do to reassure that he is the right man for the job. And will he do it? Or will the concerns of last year rear their ugly head yet again? And will we be scrambling looking for a new head baseball coach to lead this program? That is the talking point of this season. Moving along in top storylines, Uh, Speaking of the coaching staff, like I mentioned, give Mark Kingston credit. He did not just sit around and hope things would get better. He did not just sit around and say, well, we've got the right staff, we've got the right players, and let's just move forward. We know what we're doing is going to work. Kudos to Mark Kingston for thinking outside of the box when he added Monty Lee to the coaching staff. And I'm just so intrigued, guys to see this dynamic and how Kingston and Lee work together. And I, I know Mark Kingston's told the media, listen, we we get along great. We got mutual respect for each other. It's, you know, it's all good in the clubhouse, if you will. But I'm just so intrigued and so curious what this works out like. I, I'm just, you know, especially when things, you know, it's easy for everybody to get along when things are working well and you're winning games and everybody's hitting, everybody's pitching, everything's going great. But what happens if you hit a fork in the road? What happens if the season hits a snag? How? What is the working relationship like between two guys that are head coaches? Of course, Monty Lee coming from the arch rival, which throws even another interesting dynamic in this season. So I just wonder, how do these guys work together? Are they able to, and I think a lot of it is just removing egos, I think it really does help that Monty Lee has been at South Carolina before, but also what I think it provides, extra pressure to Mark Kingston. I think it does, because if things start to go south, I think you're going to hear fans 
calling for Monty Lee to take over, calling for Monty Lee to take the reins as maybe your interim head coach. You know, that's looking way down the road, but I do think it adds a very interesting dynamic and an interesting layer to this ball club that not many other teams in college baseball would ever have. I mean, can you imagine Jack Leggett working under Ray Tanner on his coaching staff? You just could not even fathom it but again I think Monty Lee's past I think what he did at South Carolina before and being known as a hitting guy it could be a gamble that pays off major dividends for Mark Kingston going to be interesting to see how that plays out moving along guys again top storylines um you know we talked about the transfer portal and the way that Mark Kingston utilized it and he's mentioned this before by the way being good friends with Jim Schlossnagel the head coach over at Texas A&M. And you look at Texas A&M last year and what they did, right? And also, too, you think about the transfer portal, and I know it's something that's affecting college football, and this is like some new thing for everybody, whatever. Transfers have been happening in baseball, guys, forever. Like, JUCO has always been a thing that coaches have utilized and guys have been able to come in and play immediately. So I feel like transferring, at least in baseball, was always something that was sort of happening, but because baseball doesn't get the the love and the attention, if you will, it wasn't something people paid attention to. Either way, though, you look at what Jim Schlossnagel did at Texas A&M, taking them from 9-21 and 21 in conference play in 2021 to he gets there his first season. They load up the transfer portal, and a lot of people were looking at them last year saying, you know, is it going to work? All these guys don't have SEC experience. You can't just bring a bunch of random guys and plug them together and it all work out beautifully. Well, it did for the Aggies because they went from that that mentioned 9-21 and 21 SEC record in 2021 to a top eight national seed a season ago, winning the SEC West. And Mark Kingston stated, hey, we're taking the Texas A&M approach. We knew we had to load up with transfers. And again, the Gamecocks loaded up with 10 of them in the transfer portal and especially heavily on the hitting and position player side of things. They knew they had to go do that because, hey, you look at the statistics last year, dead last in scoring, one of the worst in the conference in fielding percentage. You absolutely had to retool this lineup and retool this roster. So I just wonder now, right, because a lot of teams are going to start to copy Texas A&M. A lot of teams are going to look at what the Aggies did last year and say, can we do that? Can we go in the transfer portal and beef up? And again, this is a South Carolina baseball team that is built to win this year through the transfer portal. And we all know they need to win this year, as we talked about earlier. But just taking that approach, will it pay off? And also, I say this for South Carolina, the interesting thing is this, is that this is not the first time, right? We've seen Mark Kingston go in the portal and try his hand with with big bashers from other schools. But unfortunately, guys, it has not worked out time and time again. Will there be a different result this time? Uh, another top storyline for me, guys, elite pitching. When you talk about this group, you got to talk about the arms. You know, it starts with Will Sanders, and it goes on down the list from Sanders, Hall, Mahoney, Hicks, uh, Eli Jones, Jerzenbeck, Ricky Williams, Nick Proctor, the list again. Uh, Kate Austin, Matthew Becker goes on and on and on. And this team, you talk to anybody, any of the D1 baseball guys, Baseball America, perfect game. You talk to anybody that knows the game, They're going to start with pitching when they talk about this 2023 Gamecocks baseball team. And guys, I'll just tell you this, and I've mentioned it many times, but if the hitting is is just average, if the hitting is average, 
This team's got a chance to make a very deep postseason run. I'm not even ruling out Omaha. Let me just put it to you this way. The ceiling for this group is very high because the pitching is elite. It's not good. It's not great. The pitching is elite. Again, you're going to have one of the best Friday night guys in the SEC and Will Sanders. We all saw what Noah Hall did a season ago. And oh, by the way, in your starting rotation, uh, we're going to get into this in just a second in regards to projected rotation, but your options for Sunday, Jack Mahoney, who was absolutely electric as a freshman in 2021. James Hicks, who was injured last year early, but they're really high on him. He turned down six figures to come back. Eli Jerzenbeck, who guys, Here's something scary. The freshmen, they think, might have the best stuff on the staff. And that's including Will Sanders, who's probably going to be a first-round draft pick at season's end. And again, the list goes on and on of these great arms. You've got the pitching to make a deep run. It's going to be a lot of fun. you got to stay healthy, which we'll get into in just a second. But the Gamecocks, no doubt, have got the arms to go a long, long way in this season. Uh, Another big storyline, guys, is this. And, and, you know, it's funny. We don't normally spend time talking about non-conference and most certainly talking about midweek games. But after last year, (laughs) after last year, we can't take anything for granted. When the Gamecocks lost to the Citadel, they lost to Presbyterian, they lost to USC Upstate, they lost to Charlotte. Need I continue? The midweek, because of different things, because of poor performance, because of injuries, what have you, either way, though, doesn't matter. I mean, the midweek was this team's worst enemy. Because you know what's crazy? I mean, again, guys, as bad as last season was, you look back, 27 and 28 overall, abysmal. But you went 13 and 17 in the SEC. And I know you're saying, Chris, that's not all that great. I understand that, but there are ball clubs in the SEC that make the postseason at 13 and 17 in conference play. But you were so abysmal in non-conference, and especially the midweek, you never stood a chance. Again, I understand that, you know, is this team going to be defined by, oh, they went undefeated in the midweek? Maybe not necessarily, but fixing those midweek woes I think there's going to be a much closer eye on those midweek games than we've ever had before. And I'll tell you this, I don't think this fan base is going to have any patience for any slap dickery in the midweek. And I say slap dickery because losing to PC, losing to Upstate, losing to the Citadel, that, my friends, is peak slap dickery, right? So midweek woes. Keeping a close eye on how does this team perform on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, against quote-unquote lesser competition. We all understand it's baseball. And midweek losses happen, but they've got to be a rare occurrence. Last year, it was way too frequent. And I would argue those midweek losses, they really derailed your season. They derailed your season before it could even get going. Final top storyline, guys, is this, and I just mentioned a little bit ago, but steering clear of the injury bug. Listen, I don't think there's any excuse for South Carolina baseball to go below 500. I don't give a damn what happens. You have injuries. I don't give a damn what it is. There's no good excuse, in my opinion. With that being said, you cannot look at last season and what happened without acknowledging that this team was beat up. This team 
what was just brutally hit with the injury bug. And I think that's a lot of the reason why they did struggle in the midweek, right? Because you're, you're counting on guys that you, you shouldn't have been counting on, to be honest with you. You're counting on guys that weren't ready for the moment. Uh, you're having a thrust freshman out there. You know, Mark Kingston didn't make the point at sometimes they had five freshmen in the lineup. So staying healthy, this team's got to stay healthy. Is the occasional injury going to hit? Sure. It's baseball, but you can't have six, seven, eight pitchers go down. You just simply don't have a chance. There's no team in college baseball that can withstand that type of injury, uh, you know, th- those type of injuries hitting your ball club. So staying clear of the injury, staying healthy, you do that, you give yourself a shot. Guys, that being said, let's move into the projected weekend rotation for the Yardcocks entering opening day, and it looks like this Friday. I've got right-handed pitcher Will Sanders. I feel like that's a no-duh. He is going to be absolutely electric this year. One of the best Friday night guys in the SEC. Saturday, right-handed pitcher Noah Hall, and what a year he had a season ago, was absolutely electric in SEC play. That's when he really took off for this ball club. Now, the Sunday spot is the one that's probably going to be the most debated or going to be the one that I think is the most up for grabs. I think Sanders Hall Friday, Saturday, Mark Kingston again's also talked about it. Those are going to be your two guys you're leaning on each and every single weekend. I think you're going to see them start to finish, be in those spots. In the Sunday spot, I think to begin the season, I think you are going to see the hard-throwing right-hander Jack Mahoney. I think he is going to get the first look at that position. And just listening to or just talking to people who have been around the team for scrimmages, stuff like that, they said Mahoney looks really good, right? Fastball's up 95, 96, 97. A uh, lot of movement, right? The slider's a wipeout slider. He's also added that changeup, been working on that changeup. Uh, I love Jack Mahoney's game. Listen, this kid's an absolute dog. He throws gas. Uh, the stuff is there. I mean, the stuff's electric, no doubt. So I think he will be a, a Sunday guy that could really challenge any other Sunday guy in the SEC. But there will be competition there, and do not be surprised if uh, if somebody else gets a look, especially early on in the non-conference. I think that would be the time to play with it. Now, when you look at the midweek, I think your midweek guy, I think you are going to see James Hicks, right? That leaves a lot of options. Jerzen Beck could start, Eli Jones, Matthew Becker. But I do think it's going to be James Hicks. I think Tuesdays are going to be James Hicks days. And also, guys, you do play a couple of Wednesday games. Those games return finally, you know, the COVID year. You did not have back-to-back midweek games, and it really didn't return last year either. I think you could see Wednesdays be more kind of a Johnny Holstaff type day, right? We've seen that before. Um, you know, I think you could see a bunch of guys pitch an inning or two, get some guys innings. And I, and I know, I know fans hate that from time to time. It makes the games drag, but coaches do like to use these midweek games to, you know, keep their guys fresh and why not get an active bullpen instead of just throwing a pin? Why not get a live bullpen against live hitters? So I think you could see them do that on Wednesdays. There's only a couple of Wednesday games, by the way. So I, I don't think you're going to see that happening much. I do think Hicks is going to be your Tuesday guy. So again, Friday, Will Sanders. Saturday, Noah Hall, Sunday, Jack Mahoney, and then on the, the in the midweeks on Tuesdays, I think James Hicks will toe the rubber. That being said, let's move into our starting nine, guys. I'm going to go around the diamond, and I'll go into my projected lineup uh, at catcher. I've got Cole Messina. Again, this one will be a very, very fierce position battle early in the season. I know this goes against what D1 Baseball has told you. They've said that Talmadge Lecroy will be back there. It was expected when we came into spring practice that Lee Croy would be there, but Cole Messina, from what I'm hearing, is tearing the cover off of the baseball, and it's all about getting your best nine hitters in the lineup. So, again, going down this list, Cole Messina 
at catcher at first base, Gavin Cassis, the Vandy transfer. Second base, Will McGillis, the Southern Miss transfer. Shortstop, Braylon Wimmer. Third base, Talmaj Lecroy. I do think Lecroy will play the hot corner. In the outfield, we got left fielder Caleb Denny, the transfer from Oral Roberts. Center fielder Evan Stone. And then in right field, the transfer from the arch rival, Dylan Brewer. I think your DH is also Carson Hornung, who they have been touting all preseason long. And Mark Kingston's talked about him as being a guy they would expect will make a huge jump from his freshman campaign to his sophomore campaign. Let's move into my projected lineup. This is how I see the lineup shaking out when we get into Friday on opening day. In the leadoff spot, I've got left fielder Caleb Denny in the two-hole DH Carson Hornung, three-hole shortstop Braylon Wimmer. In the cleanup spot, first baseman Gavin Cassis in the five-hole catcher Cole Messina. In the six-hole, third baseman Talmadge Lecroy in the seven spot, second baseman Will McGillis in the eight-hole right fielder Dylan Brewer. And in the nine-hole center fielder, Evan Stone. Now, I know many of you listening are saying, Chris, where in the world is Michael Braswell, who was so electric a season ago? Guys, I hate to tell you this, but from people I've talked to that, again, have been around the team throughout the spring, the stick is not there. And there is a lot more competition than there was a season ago. Mark Kingston has even pointed that out, saying that, you know what, some guys last year that maybe, you know, were no-brainers for starting jobs, that it was easy for them to get a starting job. Hey, They're fighting for at-bats. They're fighting for reps. They're fighting for opportunities to be in the lineup. So I think that Michael Braswell, unfortunately, guys, I think he is the odd man out. I think you will see him play early, right? I think you will see him get in there. But from from what I'm hearing, he's just not swinging the bat right now. And the goal is to get the best nine sticks in that lineup. And I think those are your best nine. Also, guys, I would say this. That is my projected opening day lineup. That lineup's going to change. I I mean, that lineup 20 games into the season is probably going to look completely different. I think guys like Denny, Hornung, Wimmer, um, LeCroy, you know, Stone, McGillis, I I think those are going to be your no-doubt everyday guys outside of that. And even those guys, too. But outside of that, you could see all kinds of shuffling as the Gamecocks try to find their best nine. And the non-conference is certainly the time of year to do it. Let's move into the biggest question surrounding this team. And guys, this one's a no-brainer, right? The biggest question surrounding the Yardcocks in 2023 is, will Monty Lee's arrival plus transfer portal additions resurrect the Carolina Bats? Hitting, bottom line. I, I could have summarized that in one word. Hitting is the question mark when it comes to this team. Pitching, this team's elite. They will be more than good enough to go to Omaha defensively, this team will be good enough to go as deep as they want to go. It all comes down to the sticks. Will South Carolina do something that it has not done to this point in the Mark Kingston era, and that is swing the bats well enough to make a run. Swing the bats well enough to have a season up to South Carolina baseball standards. Because you think even 2021, right? That was a team that was live and die by the home run, and they really rode their pitching to where they got. Will the hitting be there? Again, a lot of the optimism in regards to this season and the offense being better, it stems around Monty Lee and his return and him being known as a a hitting guy, if you will. 
But I could counter that, guys, and say that, hey, Monty Lee's Clem Sucks teams, they didn't really hit either. Now, maybe Monty Lee transitioning from, you know, juggling all the duties of a head coach to now just solely focusing on being the hitting coach, maybe that will help him. But that's no sure thing. And then, of course, the transfer portal additions. And you add so many quality guys that had big years at their respective schools and have tons of upside and could be big-time players in the SEC. But that's the thing. Most all of these guys have not even taken an at-bat at the SEC level. Will they be able to make that transition? And guys, again, we've seen this movie before, and the ship still sinks. We've seen guys come in from Virginia Tech, UCF, other schools. We've seen these big-time transfers. I would say Brant Belk is the one exception to a transfer that came in and it actually worked out, and he you know, blew up with the Gamecocks. Most of the time, though, these guys have not lived up to the hype. They haven't lived up to the expectations, and hitting offense has been the shortcoming of the Mark Kingston era. So that is the biggest question. If that question is solved with a positive answer, Sky is the limit for this group. If it's the same old, same old, well, I think you know the rest. Guys, let's move to season will be successful if. What will spell a successful season for the Yardcocks in 2023? For me, guys, it's make the Super Regionals. It is Super Regionals or bust for South Carolina baseball this season, not just for the expectations, but I think for the future of Mark Kingston. Because if you don't make the Supers, let me pose this scenario to you. If you don't make the Super Regionals, one of three things happen. Number one, you miss the postseason and Mark Kingston should be fired. The second scenario is, you know, you won 33 or 34 games, won about 500 in conference play. You're not good enough to host. You had a solid year, but you're not good enough to host. You have to go on the road as a two or three seed in the regional. So you had a very so-so year, especially up to Carolina baseball standards. You had a very, very so-so year, and you get eliminated. That will not be good enough. He should be gone. And the third scenario, and guys, maybe the most damning would be this. A scenario similar to 2021. Granted, the Gamecocks hosted as a two seed. But my third scenario is, hey, let's say you win high 30s. Let's say you win 40 games. You go 17 and 13, 18 and 12 in the league. You blow up and you surprise and you have a great year. And you host the regional at Founders Park. Postseason baseball back in Columbia. But you fall short and you get eliminated in your own regional. Guys, I, I don't think that'll be good enough. I really don't. Would that spell a successful season to you? Because what's South Carolina baseball known for, guys? We're known for winning in the postseason. I mean, winning the SEC tournament's all cool and everything, and 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 being the SEC uh, champion for the regular season, oh, that's all cool. But South Carolina baseball, this program, you look at that right field wall, we pride ourselves in winning when it matters most. And I just don't think getting eliminated in the regional round in any scenario, will be good enough. So, to me, the minimum expectation and the season will be a success. I think if you get to the Super Regionals, you don't have to host. But if you get to the Super Regionals and you're a game or two away from Omaha, I think that will show. That will show enough progress to say, you know what? 
because you're gonna you got to be a damn good ball club. You're gonna have to swing it well. I, there, there's no fluking your way, in my opinion, to the super regionals, right? So if you can do that, I think it'll show the progress that you need to see. But that will spell a successful season, and I think that is absolutely the minimum expectation for Mark Kingston to be retained as South Carolina head coach. Which leads me into guys, my official predictions for the 2023 Yardcocks. How will South Carolina baseball fare in a pivotal season for all parties involved? And I'll say this: I have been very optimistic on this group, right? When you look at the additions, when you look at the transfer portal guys, when you think about Monty Lee's return to Columbia, South Carolina, and and what he did, and the great ball clubs that he was a part of in a Ray Tanner, there are a lot of things I like about this team. You look at the pitching. I mean, it's elite, guys. This is Omaha pitching. This is Omaha pitching. You've got the caliber of arms to get you to the College World Series. There's no doubt in my mind. And so my hopes are high. They're very high, guys. I've got dreams of Omaha dancing in my head. My expectations are very high. And South Carolina baseball fans, we should have high expectations and we shouldn't apologize for it. You know, every now and then, and I love the guys over at D1 Baseball. I do. But... Every now and then you hear them talk about the Gamecocks and, and our expectations and all that, that fan base, man, they just got, they've got relentlessly high expectations. Good, good. This is an elite program. I still view South Carolina baseball as a top 10 nationally program. Hell, I view it as a top five nationally program of where it should be. That's where it should be. South Carolina is baseball. Baseball is South Carolina, Right? It's not just some little spurt we had of five years or ten years. What Ray Tanner and June's Reigns and those guys did in building this program, back-to-back national championships, but the sustained success from the late 90s all the way up to the middle 2010s, if you will, winning 40-plus games per year, the minimum expectations and the standards were set, and there's no excuse to not win. There's no excuse. You don't have it. This isn't Carolina football or Carolina basketball or whatever else where, you know, tradition's against you and you could talk about facilities and you could talk about this and that. You have none of that. You've got great tradition. You've got Founders Park. You, you've got all the history, right? You, everything you need is at your fingertips. So my hopes are high. My expectations are high. With that being said, I'm going to admittedly be a little bit conservative with my predictions. Here's why. I was giddy last year, guys. I was looking back at my notes from last year. I predicted this team to be in the Super Regionals, right? And I had egg on my face. I was so wrong. I mean, so wrong. I did not think, guys, I would live to see South Carolina baseball finish a season below 500. I, I I genuinely did not think that was going to happen, right? So admittedly, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative with my predictions this season. I do think the Gamecocks are going to improve, no doubt about that, right? I, I think this is going to be a much improved ball club. If for no other reason, then there's no way 
you sustain that many injuries again, knock on wood, but there's no way you sustain that many injuries, which in turn is going to make this pitching so much better. I mean, the depth you have on this pitching staff, it is night and day different from a season ago. And like I mentioned earlier, guys, in the show, and it's not meant as disrespect, but there's some guys where it's addition by subtraction. You know, you were leaning a lot on these, these veteran guys last year in your bullpen that had never done anything, right? And for whatever reason, I, I thought maybe they would have their best season, save the best for last. Guess what they did? They did nothing. They, 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 they did not have their best seasons as their last, and you suffered. You suffered immensely for it. The pitching depth on this year's team, like I told you guys, it's an Omaha-type caliber pitching staff. Sanders, Hall, Mahoney, I'll put that rotation up against anybody in the SEC. You got this Eli Jerzenbeck kid as a freshman. He's going to eliminate. If he pitches on Tuesday, he's going to eliminate losing in the midweek. James Hicks also. I mean, James Hicks, damn near as good as a Tuesday guys you're going to find, right? He's as good a Tuesday guys you're going to find. So I think because of the pitching alone, I think a lot of those midweek woes that we saw a season ago will go away. I think this team will be much, much, much improved in the midweek. And I think that's a big reason why you're going to see the record take a jump up from last year. Now, SEC plays interesting, right? Because you went 13 and 17 last year. That's not all that bad. It's really not, right? It's not terrible. It's not great by any stretch, but. As bad as South kind of was last year, you really would have thought they were worse in conference play. So how much better do you do? Right? Because I think the sticks, guys, the bat, or excuse me, the, the arms are Omaha caliber. The bats are still my concern. I want to believe in these transfer guys. I, I want to believe in these newcomers. But we've seen this before. Right? We've seen this before. And... It's never panned out. There are not many reasons to believe the Gamecocks are going to swing it any different than they have in the Mark Kingston era to this point. So you look at the schedule and how it shakes out. And I think, guys, all things considered, is it a tough schedule? Sure. It's the SEC, of course, a tough schedule. I think all things considered, though, this, this schedule works out pretty well for you. You've got series, let's just go down the list, at Georgia, Mizzou, at Mississippi State, LSU, ranked number one in the country in the preseason. At Vandy, Florida, Auburn, at Kentucky, at Arkansas, and then Tennessee to close it out. Is that a gauntlet? For sure. But all things considered, I think you came out pretty well in it. I think this team is going to resemble that 2021 team a lot. I think pitching, guys, until I see different, I, I just cannot go into a season, and in good conscience, pick a South Carolina ball club coached by Mark Kingston to be a prolific hitting group. Will the hitting get better? I mean, sure, it can't be worse than it was last year. Will it be a lot better? Will this team be top half of the conference? I'm not ready to go there yet, right? It all comes down to hitting. If this group hits 270 or better, guys, if this group hits 250 or better in SEC play, the Gamecocks are probably going to Omaha. I, I mean, I'm not even joking. It, it's not going to take a lot. But will it happen? Again, I, I think this group 
will be very similar to 2021. I think you're going to see this team ride its stellar arms, ride its pitching, and I think the hitting is going to be sort of hit or miss, if you will. I think you'll be much better in the non-conference, which will boost your record. I think SCC again, guys. I I think you're going to see South Carolina have its spurt. I think you're going to see the Gamecocks from time to time look much better. But I just don't know on a consistency side of things if this ball club is ready to be consistent against the elite arms that you see in the SEC. With that being said, 34-22 and overall, 15-15 and in SEC play, which is not a horrific year, by the way. It's not a terrible year. You're a postseason team at that point. I've got the Yardcocks, though. I think they go 34-22, and 15-15, and 15, which just to do the math for you, would put you at 19-7 and seven in non-conference play, which would be a great improvement for a team that went 14-11 and 11 in non-conference play a season ago. So that's where I see the big jump. 500 in SEC play, which hey, you go 500 or better in this league, you're a pretty solid ball club. But where does that put you in regards to postseason? I think you're a two or three seed. I think you're going on the road for a regional. And I do think you are eliminated in the regional rounds because I just do not believe in the sticks under Mark Kingston. And I think, therefore, you will be eliminated in the regionals. And I think that Mark Kingston will coach his final season of baseball in Columbia, South Carolina. So that's my record prediction. That's my breakdown of the Ardcocks. Again, 34 and 22, 15 and 15 in conference, and eliminated in the regionals. Guys, again, would love to hear your thoughts on that, your overall feelings on the season, and your feelings on my breakdowns and my prediction. Am I right? Am I wrong? And let me know in the comments, in the DMs or what have you. So again, guys, that's my breakdown. That's our full season preview of the 2023 baseball season. And of course, we'll be talking about it, producing content around it all season long. Cannot wait. Going to be a lot of fun. Guys, let's move from the diamond to the hardwood. As South Carolina men's basketball snaps their eight-game losing streak, taking down the Ole Miss Rebels by a final score of 64 to 61, just the second SEC win on the season. Man, I almost forgot how good it feels to actually win a game. You know, when I look at this game, my biggest takeaway, guys, this that I I think strides are being made late in the season, no doubt. I I think Lamont Paris is probably not even getting enough credit uh, for what he's doing with this team and keeping this group together and also having the kahunas to do what he's doing with Gigi Jackson. Gigi Jackson, I mean, that's... That's one of the biggest storylines, too. Just played 12 minutes in the ballgame. Only played 12 minutes, yet South Carolina wins. And I'll be honest, they looked a lot better without him on the floor. Am I willing to go out here and say that South Carolina is a better team without Gigi Jackson? No, I'm not. I I think that's absurd. I think that might be a little bit of an overreaction over the top. But it is interesting. It is interesting the way the Gamecocks are playing when he's not out there. And in regards to our player of the game... One guy that's benefiting, Jacoby Wright, 17 points, five rebounds, four assists. He really came into his own. His breakout performance, I think, of his career in that ball game on Saturday. And you look at the game, guys, three-point shooting was the difference. South kind of shoots a lot of three-pointers. 
And you just got to feel good for the Gamecocks, man. I know, I know it's one of those things we've sort of tuned out basketball onto baseball, if you will. But in a season where you have to draw, you know, whatever positives you can, getting a road win in Oxford against the Ole Miss team that already beat you this season on your home floor, you got to be able to take away the positives from that. So overall, great stuff from Lamont Paris and that group and a great win. You look at what's next for them. Uh, tomorrow night, February the 14th, of course, Valentine's Day against Vanderbilt. Gamecocks take on the Commodores. 6.30 tip on SEC Network. South Carolina will look for their first SEC win at home and will look to make it back-to-back SEC wins, obviously, for the first time this season. Should be a fun one tomorrow night. We'll have all eyes on that. And looking forward to seeing if the Gamecocks can build off of a big win in Oxford. Guys, hey, that's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. As you can all tell, with the thorough nature of today's show, I am fired up for the 2023 baseball season. Cannot wait to get things going on Friday. Of course, guys, thank you all so much for your understanding. Rolling with the punches this week with no TDC on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. We'll be, we'll be back after it in studio on Thursday, and of course, podcast will drop Thursday as well. So guys, again, thank y'all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you all on Thursday. Thursday.